Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. As I said to Seth about two minutes ago, it's good that we can come so quickly to a decision in making a call at 9.30 when we had... The call between Seth and I at 9.24. So six minutes, no problem. <laughs> Seth's on the road in the car on his way to work. Sean is uh, taking a little break from his work. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to ladies and gentlemen that uh, are generally listening at our normal time, which is 7 o'clock p.m., but I will be at Madison Square Garden tooting my horn. No, literally tooting my horn. Uh, my trombone Syracuse plays Connecticut tonight, and I have the privilege of playing in the pep band, which is kind of cool, being 41 years old and still playing in the pep band. So welcome to the show, everybody. It it brings up the obvious question, and I sound so sophomoric asking it. How rusty is your trombone? (laughs) See, and I thought you were going to go a different way with this, and I thought you were going to ask me, what more can a band geek want than to play? In the, in the, either way is fine. Look, I'm. First of all, welcome to the show, everybody. Seth came in there in the car. Sean Palmer here in Manhattan, and it's interesting because I don't care. And this this is a little sidebar from the sports for a second. I really don't care what anybody says about or makes fun about being in in the band, whether it be marching band or pep band or whatever. Aside from Seth and my brothers, my literal brothers, my best friends were made in marching band. They always, And they've lasted 20 years, and they would be there whenever and however I need them. So you make all the, you make all the, uh, the jokes you want, you make all the criticisms you want, but it's been a great ride, and obviously it still continues, which is kind of strange when you think about it 20-some-odd years later. So here we are, Syracuse and Syracuse and Connecticut tonight. And, you know, this week has been, I don't know how you say it delicately. Uh, well, oh, I remember. It's what our guest called it last week. It was a dumpster fire. This entire week in sports has been a complete and total dumpster fire. So, would you like to start, Seth? I'm going to give you door number one, door number two, door number three, or door number four. And I got one behind each door. Which door would you like to start with today? I will start with my favorite number, which is four. So, please tell me. Which is my favorite number, actually. Door number four, and that's actually my favorite number, too, which is. I did not know that about you, but okay. There you go. Door number, door number four. 
Welcome to Unemployment, University of Tennessee Athletic Director, John. John, <laughs> welcome to Unemployment. So, so let's understand what this guy went through in the last four months. He was hired four months ago. Within the last four months, he decided to fire his head coach, which was fine. Butch Jones probably deserved to be fired. Deservedly so. Yeah, maybe a couple of weeks too late, as it turned out, but deservingly so. He got turned down. Well, sorry. He came to a memorandum of understanding with a coach, Greg Schiano, who was then basically, um, what, what's the word I want to say? Not raked at the Demolished. Lynched. Demolished in the press. Yeah, demolished in the press, lynched in the press, not lynched literally, lynched in the press. And then he gets turned down by, last I count, seven guys. I think it's been that much, right? Gruden, the guy from North Carolina State. Dave Doran. Jeff Brown. Willie Taggart. um, Scott Frost. There's been a... Scott Frost, I don't even know if Scott Frost interviewed. Um, it has been, and the funny part was, one of the reasons he left Kansas State was Bill Snyder, who's been there forever, um, who's going to retire soon, and Snyder wants his son, Sean Snyder, to take over the program, and John Curry wasn't particularly comfortable with that, which is why, plus, you know, you're going to Tennessee, SEC, big-time, big-time sports school. I don't think he thought he'd be walking into this. And so well, he's not, not walking have into anything dirt. right now, Seth. He's walking well, now out. He's, yeah, now he's leaving with probably relatively nice buyout. Um, plus, he was being kind of, you know, stabbed in the back by the ex-coach, Bill Fulmer, who is now taking over as the athletic director. It is – that school – has had a credibility problem the last couple of years. They had it, remember, when they fired Lane King. It was here to go to USC. So their last four coaches have lasted, I think, an average of about two years each. Derek Dooley, I forget the one before him. Kiffin, Lane Jones. Uh, Lane, uh, not Lane Jones, excuse me. Um, Which Jones? You're... You become, they've become, you know, they were the first, I believe, BCS champion with T. Martin. And they have become the laughingstock of the NCAA. Yep. Well, there's no really easier way to say it. Now there are reports that Les Miles would come with Phil Fulmer. I don't think that's a bad hire, but I think that's a saving hire. I mean, if you can get somebody with Phil, with less miles experience and acumen and resume, I, I think that's a no-brainer, especially based on where you are today. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if he fits the Tennessee, the Tennessee profile, but at the end of the day, he's an SEC coach. He's won a national championship. He's, rel- he's well-respected. He's also 65 years old. So it's probably a four to five, you know, He's not. He's not in the seven. He can go another five to seven years, and help transition out of this cluster beat, for lack of a better term. Well, um, we're using dumpster fire. We're using dumpster fire, so we don't have to go there with the cluster beep. But here's the thing: 
for for Miles, I think it's a it's a save for him too, right? Because Les Miles hasn't been in the coaching carousel discussions for some time. So would it be possible well, he only, for he only either? Left last, he only, I believe he only left was it last year. He was fired. So it's not like he—he's not pulling a Herm Edwards where he's coming back from nine years out to come on. No, in. that's another—that—that's actually door number three. <laughs> so if you want to go there, Matt, <laughs> we're happy—we're happy to go there. There are there are a multitude of doors that are on my uh, on my radar today. But let's go to door number three and let's go to um, you play to win the game, which I cannot wait for somebody to say that in a press conference again. Because, and you know, Herm Edwards doesn't even know that a Sun Devil is Arizona's Arizona State's mascot, which seems kind of strange when you're going to take over a program. That seemed to be the off. I'm sorry. No, he did not. He didn't. He did not know. He did not know. Wow. So that seems to be a little bit of wow. Let's pull this one out of left field just so we could have a name. Now, you don't hear Arizona State very often in the circles of the Pac-10. You hear more Arizona and Rich Rodriguez. Is that a good hire? I mean, I'm going to ask you because I can't remember, aside from USC, UCLA, or Oregon, the last Pac-10 game I watched. I have watched, ever. Oh, I watch a lot. I do watch a lot more Pac-10 than you do because I have a wife who goes to bed at 10.30, so it works perfectly. Um, I have no idea why. I think his personality really does fit the college game. He's a rah-rah guy. He's, you know, you can bring the X's and O's. Like, his best friend, now, I, I believe one of his closest friends is the Arizona State athletic director, which is, I think, how this came to pass. But... I, I, he's never recruited before. He's never coached college before. He's never had time for it. It's a, such an extraordinarily different mentality. I mean, heck, he hasn't coached the pros in the East, I want to say nine years, eight years, unless I'm mistaken. It's a gamble, but I think the thought process is I guess they were going to get Kevin Summer. That's my assumption. But I thought he was the favorite to get this job. There's no, there's nobody else you really want. You really kind of want to make a name. He's a name. He's a name that people that that recruits will know. He knows the pro game. I don't, I don't know if it's a fit. I have no idea. It's an interesting choice. And a lot of times I say interesting choice and with kind of a roll my eyes, you know, thought process behind it. I don't do that with this because I really don't know. Um, it's just he, he, he's so far outside of the, the circle of where I would have seen a coach coming from. It's really hard for me to make a determination whether it's the right fit or not. Okay. Well, let, let's continue down the coaching carousel while we're here. So Jimbo Fisher moves from probably one of the best two programs in the ACC maybe two to three programs in the ACC. I'm talking programs, not necessarily results right now. And moves right. to top five in the SEC. Is that a step maybe. up other than other than the money? 
and the money was a million and a half. So, I mean, I I, I can't no, believe this was, was a step up that, for him. It's not. But what happens is this. He had gotten stale, for lack of a better term. And Jimbo Fisher is kind of known in the college ranks as someone who's never particularly happy. He wants this, he wants that, you know, he wants better facilities, he wants this, he does this, yada, yada, yada. You can do that when you're going 10-2 and two and 11-1. and one. You can't do that when you're 6-6. Six and six. Now, I don't think he would have been fired this year by any stretch. But I think what had happened was he had just simply gotten stale. And that happens with people who coach at a certain place for nine years, ten years, eleven years. And I think he was cognizant of that. Um, you know, he received ten years, seventy-five million dollars. So even if he's not cognizant of, yeah, that that money, he's going to be the richest bachelor in College Station. So I mean, he's, he's you know he's going to a solid program, not a great one, but they do have a phenomenal fan base. And it's a team that can win. It's, you know, you're not going to win to going universities. for example, are not going to be quite as high. But, you, you know, the expectation with A&M is you're going to be a 9-3 team. You know, far to say it's going to be an 11-1 team. Or it's a disappointment. Besides, it's hard to turn down an extra $25 million. No, and I get that. And I get that. Okay, so let's move on to and, – and this is a carousel because out, obviously, is Jimbo Fisher and in is probably Willie Taggart from Oregon. And, by the way, I thought uh, – just to go back a second, I thought one of the more interesting interviews for Tennessee would have been Mike Leach, who reportedly had, had interviewed – like I said, he's been tur- they've been turned down at least five or six times. I would have loved to have seen Mike Leach at Tennessee because I well, just think that would have been that would have been volcanoes erupting all been- over the place. Curry, well, they had agreed to hire Mike Leach, and then the chancellor or Phil Fulmer or someone in Tennessee's administration turned it down. Oh, I did not know uh, that. Yeah, it's similar to what happened with Maryland and Mike Leach many years ago. And it said we got Randy Edsel. Awesome. New athletic so, director. So here's my thinking, though. or Here's my question. Maybe you can answer this. Maybe you can. I don't know. So Tennessee would have easily taken Mike Gundy, right, from Oklahoma State. And I know, got, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we are backtracking. We're going a little bit backwards and and we're talking about stuff that we've already passed, but it's necessary to go through. They would have taken Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy is an extremely strong personality, extremely strong. Yeah. He's been on the wrong side of a press conference or two when he was 40. He's a man. And he's, a, and he's, he's obviously 40. a man, right, and he's a man. So what is it about Mike Leach that's so much different than Mike Gundy? That rubs people the wrong way, because it's obvious Leach, now. If you're telling me, oh, hold on, if you're telling me that he had an agreement in Maryland and they backed out, and they had an agreement in Tennessee and he backed out, 
he wins. Why is it that other coaches can win and keep moving on and on and on, even if they are despised or, or do something wrong? And Mike Leach seems to always get, I don't know, hit with the it, short end. whatever it is. Yeah, the short end of the stick. My guess is with Leach, Leach is smarter than all these people. Unequivocally smarter. He's an attorney by trade. I don't know if he knew that. And my guess is he's not shy about about this. And it takes either a team that is desperate for the attention, or desperate to be relevant, I should say, or an extraordinarily secure athletic director or admin or president or whoever it is to deal with this. Washington State was desperate for the attention. Texas Tech was desperate for the attention. Tennessee doesn't need the attention. Maryland didn't need the attention, but they had a, Maryland had a new had a new uh, chancellor coming in and an AD. Tennessee's AD was kind of a you know had already lost the credibility. You know, wrongly so in my opinion. You know of the of backing. So, I, I I don't know. I think at some point he may very well get one big-time job. Because I don't consider Washington State a big-time job, although he's made them a top 25 team. Um, it's a, it would have been great to see him in the SEC. I agree. It would have oh, been I a think, lot of fun. And I think that's my point, right? So, he doesn't get the top job. You, Texas Tech is not a top job. Who's going to hire this guy? I mean, where would that be? I don't know. And, and who? What type of cha- what type of chancellor would be able to take that risk? Well, and well, how about speaking of a job that just opened? Oregon. There's a really there's a pretty good job. It is in Pac-10. Uh, in Eugene, I mean, he got great. I mean, I don't know if Leach is, is, a, is a nice guy or not, but, you know, it, in conference, it's a, it would be a huge payday. And it's a school that can that we've seen can compete for a national championship. I mean, yeah, I didn't even could... know Tiger signed the deal, so I, I knew they were talking about it last night. I didn't no, he didn't. He, he didn't sign. He didn't sign the deal yet. I mean, it, it. I think that's pretty much fait accompli, don't you? Well, supposedly FSU will ball them. And Phil Knight had asked Taggart for a final meeting, you know, if, you know, to match or exceed any price. I like it was Phil Knight that asked for the meeting, not uh, the athletic director, but... Um, so I don't know if it's made out completely because I know Taggart was pretty pissed with the offer. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but I mean, right. based on your on your your point, I'll assume he's taking the job. And I mean, I I have to assume that Taggart had an out clause for any of the three big Florida schools. There has because he's been there for a year. You don't go to a school like Oregon and jump after a year. You just don't, unless it's one of these 
And I'm not really sure Florida State's a better job in Oregon, to be perfectly honest, but he's a Florida guy. Yeah, he's definitely a Florida guy. Okay, so the, so the last of the coaching carousel is Central Florida's coach Scott Frost going home to Nebraska. And there'll be more firings, hirings at smaller schools, but this is pretty much the end of the big school concept here. The right move for Frost? Because I'm not sure it was. Here's the problem. Probably not, but it's a, it's an impossible job to turn down. It's because he can probably build a ten and two, eleven in one team in Florida, in UCF, and be there for perpetuity, live a very happy, easy life there, or you go into the quagmire. Okay, Seth, you, we lost you, buddy. We completely just lost you. We 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 lost like half of that. So you could build up a ten and two UCF, or you could go into the Big Ten and finish your sentence. Okay, and you're talking about a school that still thinks this is the 1990s, the mid 90s, and they think that you know Nebraska is not the Nebraska of 1995. It's a very whatever, it's a mediocre program at this point. And, you know, even in its best day going forward, it's going to be extremely difficult if the big red faithful think they're going to think we're going to revert back to the mid-90s where Nebraska won three out of four titles. So I'm curious to see. Now, Frost had a very up-and-down relationship with the Nebraska fan base in the, in the night while he, was, while he was the quarterback and led them to a split national title in 97. Um, you know, he should have a lot of a lot of leeway because that team, that team, while not the dumpster fire that the that Tennessee is, is certainly not improved in the three years under Mike Riley. So no, Mike Riley was basically a stopgap, and Frost was hired. This he was actually considered a couple of years ago, but uh, dismissed out of hand. And then he took the job. This time, I'm not sure he had anything to gain by staying at Central Florida. Uh, that would be the only reason. Now, is this the job to take if you're going to leave? I could make the claim, and I think you could too, that Florida was a better job. You can make the case that sure. Texas Tech, Texas A&M was a better job. Florida State is certainly a better job. All three of these are better jobs than Nebraska. But there is that home sentimentality. And I, I did not know the history behind Scott Frost to begin with. He originally committed to Stanford. He went there for two years and then transferred back to win a national championship. So, obviously, there is some sentimentality for Scott Frost in dealing with Nebraska. So I can, I can understand. But here's the thing. Is there any way that Scott Frost doesn't lose in this situation? I, I think the only way that he that the only way that Scott Frost does not lose in this situation is winning ten games a year for the next four years. The problem is a lot of these schools, Nebraska and Tennessee, are phenomenal. A great example. 
these were schools that went with great with historical legacies. And even in the mid you know, the mid nineties, the nineteen ninety five Nebraska football team, I believe the greatest college football team I've ever seen. You know, that was 90, Tommy Frazier, correct? Had, that was Tommy Frazier beating Florida by forty in the Orange Bowl. Um, Tennessee had Peyton Manning, you know, then won a national title with T Martin. One man you know, under Phil under under Phil Fulmer. They were great under Johnny Majors. But the last eight to ten years, both of these schools have been relatively black. You know, they've been the eight to nine win team that goes to the Outback Bowl or goes to the Holiday Bowl or goes to the Citrus Bowl. They haven't been really, you know, I mean, Maryland even beat Tennessee by 25 or so, about, you know, many years ago in the Gator Bowl. So but the fans don't see it as this upper, upper, upper echelon school. And nothing is going to convince them to the contrary. I mean, to be honest, that Greg Shannon was a really good hire for Tennessee. I thought it made a lot of sense. I mean, you know, they're never going to be satisfied because you look at Tennessee, they're not a Florida. They're not an Alabama. They're not a Georgia. They're not an Auburn right now. They, 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 they're a very mid-tier team at this point and have been for for several years. You know, Nebraska is probably the second-best program in the Big Ten West behind Wisconsin, but is not up to par with Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan or Michigan State. It hasn't been for years. They're mid-tier schools. They're mid-tier, you know, they're high-end in regards – they're diva personalities with mid-tier results. Yep. Okay. So before we get off the college football – what's that? I, mean, I actually like that quote. I think that was pretty good. There you go. Well, you know what? It it You can have the Sean Palmer pat on the back today. There you go. Give yourself a virtual pat on the back. Well done. Okay. Before we get off – the college football scene, and we've talked a good 25 minutes about it, which is good because this is college football time. There's one thing that we haven't talked about, and that is the fact that I did not get what I wanted at all. Nope. Nope. Not at all. In fact, I got the opposite of what I wanted. Everything about it. I got no chaos. You got a sexy Final Four. I got an unsexy Final Four. What are you kidding? I got nothing that I wanted. Absolutely nothing that no, I wanted. No, no, no. You didn't get it. College football got a sexy Final Four. You got nothing about what you wanted. Well, did they get a sexy Final Four? Is Ohio State, uh, sorry, is Alabama considered sexy right now? Yes. It's Alabama. Okay. That, that's fair. I guess I guess if you get, like, the Yankees and Dodgers, it doesn't matter who they are, who's on the teams, they're still the Yankees and Dodgers. So, yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. So, okay, so a sexy Final Four for them. No chaos for me. Absolutely no chaos no. for me. And once again, you can have an argument for Ohio State versus Alabama. I get it. I get the fact that there could be an argument. But I think they got it right. I mean, I think I said yeah. this last week that I thought Alabama was the better team even though they faced 
worse competition. I thought that they were the better team. Do you disagree? No. I mean, at the end of the day, this is where I came in on this. You lost by 35 to Iowa. Stop your complaining. You have no – I wouldn't have had a huge argument if they made it, but you have no argument – you have no real argument that that you deserved it. Every team is allowed to, you know, every team has a loss. You know, Clemson did not have a good loss. But they lost by four on the road when their quarterback got hurt. Let's understand. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The best sign that was found that the ACC championship game was somebody in the background that said, Syracuse is a quality loss. That was the best sign (laughs) I saw in the entire game day. No, it was not me. It was at game day, and it was the best sign I saw all day because we're a quality loss, baby, 4-8. We're a quality loss. But you're not going to knock out Clemson for, for having yeah, – Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're – you have two losses. At the end of the day, you have two yeah. losses. You have two losses, and neither loss was close. It wasn't a 20 – you know, you – it wasn't Iowa State beating Oklahoma by seven. Now, again, Iowa State's a seven and five team. Good story. Beat a couple good teams this year. You know, Oklahoma beats Ohio State by 15 at, at Ohio State. Okay, you know what? If they, if they were 11 and one and that was their loss, probably they make it. You cannot excuse a 35 point loss, you just can't. Not when you're the fourth team. Right. Well, I think that's that's what it came down to. I think it came down to if you lost by 35 – if you're – let's put it this way. If you're Clemson and you lose by 35 to Florida State and that's your one loss, you can get by if that's your one loss. But if it's your if you're if you're if you're Clemson and you have a four point loss to to Syracuse and a thirty five point loss to Florida State, you don't get in. It's the it's it's because you have a second loss, and everybody else has one. That does not trump it. And again, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get anything, and I knew it from the very beginning when I started watching the games. I was like. All right, Oklahoma's killing them. All right, Georgia's killing them. All right, Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin. This sucks. <laughs> I think that's what I said at the end of the day. I went to bed on Saturday night going, this sucks. I don't get chaos. It's horrible. But you know what? At the end of the day, we it is a sexy championship. We'll talk more about it next week as far as making our selections in the championship games, because we certainly don't need to do that this week. We have another dumpster fire to talk about, but it has nothing to do with college football. It has everything to do with East Rutherford, and the uniform is not green. I'm so happy to hear this for the first time. Us Jets fans, and we are the younger brother. First of all, I root for every younger brother, it seems like. We are the younger brother to to the older, more sophisticated, more politically correct, big blue that is very conservative in nature, never makes a big mistake except for 
oh, I'm sorry, Ray Hanley in 1993, but other than that, everything's been very politically correct, been very quiet, very, and then we have this week. Yay! Are you done? <laughs> I am now. That, 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 for all Jets fans out there, you can now thank me. Go on. So how is this dumpster fire working out for you? Well, I guess I look at it this way. We're 2-10. and ten. Our defense is still pretty good. We're going to get a top five pick. We're going to have a new GM who can actually hopefully draft better than Reese has in the last 10 years. And we'll get a new coach, which we needed, who will make a decision whether they want to start Man- keep Manning or, start Dave- or see what Davis Webb has to do. The Jets, on the other hand, are going to be perpetually into the 6-10 and 10 mediocrity where you'll draft the number four quarterback in five years from now, when the Giants go back and win a championship or go to the Super Bowl, the Jets are still six and ten, seven and nine, and we after the umpteenth straight year, we look to see which quarterback they take. Maybe we'll go from there. Hey, be okay. Hey, hey, let me relish in my one week because this is the week I have to relish in. I understand that we just screwed up our draft position. I said this at the beginning of the year, did I not? The Jets would go just enough to screw up the draft position. And now they're number nine. And the only way that the Jets will get a quarterback in this draft is if they pick Baker Mayfield, which I cannot believe that Baker Mayfield would make it in New York. In fact, that may be almost as entertaining as Mike Leach in Tennessee. And I, or Josh Allen out of Wyoming, but that's only if all three Darnold, Rosen and Allen all come out. Then there's a possibility that the Jets could get Allen. But I'll tell you right now, Seth, I, I, you probably did not watch the Jet game this week. It's the first actual Jet game I watched all year, start to finish. And it was a, it was a good one. game. It was a good game. Here's the thing that, that was was surprising to me. There were a number of throws that Josh McCown – did you watch the game? I'm not sure if you did. Most, uh, second, most of it, yeah. Okay, there was a there were a couple of throws that McCown made that basically I said, "Oh my God, that's a great throw." I mean, he made throws that had me second guessing whether a quarterback, I won't say a quarterback for the future is necessary because we do need one. McCown is 35 years old anyway, but whether we need a quarterback for next year. Do you draft one in the first round? And I understand that sometimes you need to draft one in the first round. But I'm not sure that the – look, I, I, I like the way McCown looked. And I'm not sure whether that's because the Chiefs were bad, which is possible, or it's because the Chiefs had given up, which is also possible, or the fact that he just looked good on one game. And I've only seen, as I said before, one game this year. But he looked good, and the wide receivers looked good. Curse and Anderson looked very good. Todd Bowles is gonna, isn't going to be fired, is he? Nope. He just saved his. And he he just saved be. his neck. He shouldn't be. Absolutely not. The team has not given up on him. No. Absolutely not. This team could be very well be eight and five, as ridiculous as that sounds. They have been in every yep. game except for two this year. Yep. 
Buffalo where they lost by 13, and the Raiders in game two. Yep, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think we had both said that Todd Bowles would lose his job this year. I'm definitely one that said it. You said he would be the first one to lose his job this year. Um, I think he has definitely earned another year. Absolutely. And he coaches well, and he's coaching up his talent, which I think is the sign of a good coach. So I definitely think that he's there. Unfortunately for you and I, we took the Giants at their word that Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese would be there for Flo- – Jerry Reese. I almost said Floyd Reese. Floyd Reese is the ex-GM of the Houston Oilers uh, and Tennessee Titans. We took Mr. Mara at his word, and we thought that this would be the, e- the end of pay- uh, Eli Manning's career in Giantville, certainly starting lineup, and we dumped him. <laughs> On the waiver wire. And and this week, they play Dallas, who Eli has always had a good record against and has always played well against. So to answer your question, Seth, and to answer, I'm sure, the millions and millions of listeners that are listening to this, Seth and I will be making a play at re-picking up Eli Manning. And we'll probably start him this week, too, because our quarterbacks are a dumpster fire. <laughs> Perpetually well, a dumpster fire this year. Well, okay, let, let's be fair. And the, for, we also have the, still have the most points in the league by about 150. Um, well, and, that, so and really, that's due. That's due to last night's game, my friend, where this was me leading into last night's game of the Steelers and the Bengals, where the Steelers put up a huge amount of points, as did the Bengals. But fantasy-wise, Brown and Bell, once again, have led the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show team to victory. But that was an uh, – look, I got up early this morning. I actually DV, I, I DVR'd the game last night because I, 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 needed to get some, I needed to get some rest. And I wanted to see if there was any possibility of, like, shenanigans going on. Because these two teams are always entertaining because they hate each other. I mean, they absolutely hate each other. More than I, I believe I have ever seen two NFL teams go at it in an NFL game. Can you remember another two NFL teams that have despised each other this much? It's a different kind of hatred. Um, it's not a Pittsburgh Ravens or a Giants Cowboys or a Redskins Cowboys where there's hatred, but it's kind of a respected hatred. It's a rivalry yeah. hatred. These two seem to despise each other. Yeah. Um, I really can't. You know, maybe Kansas City, Denver, or Kansas, maybe one of the AFC West rivalries. But from a, for two teams who I never really considered rivals, there is an immense amount of hatred between these, between these two organizations. Yeah, they just – it. With all those other rivalries that we talk about, and you can put the Jets and, and Dolphins or the Jets in New England or any any rivalry, the Raiders and the Broncos or the Raiders, maybe the Raiders back in the 70s had something like this. But it's the point that these guys seem like they want to injure each other. And for that to take hold is every NFL fan's nightmare because it's exactly what – 
the proponents of banning the NFL or banning football or changing the way the game is played, this is what they will point to is the injuries that took place last night. You know, I'm a fanboy of Ryan Shazier, and he got carted off. Vontaze Perfect got carted off. Joe Mixon got carted off. Um, who was the other Did one? Did you Drake see the Vontaze? The irony that Vontez Perfect, who's probably considered just about the dirtiest player in football, yeah. got knocked out by a wide receiver. Yeah. Did you see? Have you seen the hit? Yeah, Juju. Uh, Juju. I can't remember Juju. his last name, but Juju. Yeah, Juju. Yeah. I, I, get, like, I get it, but I, I actually didn't think it was that dirty of a hit. I thought the taunting was terrible. Well, the taunting but... was ridiculous. It wasn't a hit from the back. I don't know how dirty no. it was. No, but okay. I'm not saying it was dirty. None of I'm not saying any of these hits were were dirty. Okay, but you don't have to be dirty to be gunning for somebody either, right? Sure. So, let I mean, you could have a, a completely legal hit, and I'm trying to remember the quarterback that got laid up like ten years ago on an interception. I can't remember the court. There was a quarterback. That, I think it was the Giants. Or maybe it was Aaron Rodgers or, or Brett Favre. It, it, a quarterback gets intercepted, and as we know, when a quarterback is intercepted, he's fair game. Completely Brett fair Favre. game. It, 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 was Brett, it was Brett Favre in the NFC title game against the Saints, I believe. Was it, was it who? Against who? I think it was Favre in the NFC title game against the Saints. Against the Saints. Oh, that yeah, that was the uh, that was the headhunter game. That was the bounty game, where he got where he got leveled, and it was I believe it was Anthony Hargrove. But anyway, the fact is, a quarterback can be his fair game. Whenever it's, whenever there's an interception, he's just fair game. And you could block a quarter. You could block a quarterback. You can hit a quarterback as long as you are hitting him square and in the front and not behind the back, not an illegal hit, but how many times is a quarterback actually involved in the play after an interception? Not many. Not unless your name is Robert Wilson. Yeah, rarely. But Favre was leveled. I mean, le- like Scott Stevens to Paul Correa leveled. Or Scott Stevens to Eric Lindros leveled. And the point is, those are, Seth, those are all legal hits. But obviously he was gunning for Favre, or he was gunning for the quarterback. And I, I have I saw the hit, but I didn't see the play. Um, I actually went past the play and had to rewind it. I haven't seen the whole play yet. I wonder, was Perfect even in the play? Yes. He was chasing, yeah. Okay. He was chasing after the wideout. And, uh, and he had a shot at him. He was in and the ball. shot at I wouldn't say he, he, was a, he was a yard or two away. It wasn't. Okay. It was. It, it, it was to me within the legal circle, for lack of a better okay. term. Okay. Okay. But anyway, Brown and Bell totally takes us to the playoffs, and next week, my friend, we play a team that has no running backs. Well, they had to, they had to play an injured running back this week, in uh, Chris Thompson, and their tight end Rob Gronkowski is unfortunately suspended for next week. So we make out. Not that, not that, not that unfortunate. 
No, um, it, well, it's unfortunate for him, not unfortunate for us. But we, we completely make out. So uh, our apologies to Paul Miyake, who we bounced out last night. Um, but too bad, so sad. We'll see you next week, uh, next year. And we'll be it's happy funny, to though, take but on the ESPN, it's funny because on the ESPN app, it shows we yeah. have a preview again playing Miyake. Are you sure? Mm, and then here it says, looking, yeah, we're playing Miyake. No. Which is a much worse matchup. We're not playing Miyake. Miyake didn't make Good. it. Hold on a second. I'm lo- hold on. Look for schedule playoff bracket. Playoff bracket. Week one, we play, we play Miyake. Ew. Oh, how do we play Miyake again? That's not good for us at all. No, that's oh, a much boy. tougher matchup. Yeah, I thought we were playing, uh, how did that happen? I thought we were playing um, another team. I think they didn't update it. They might not have updated it. Because Miyake is 6-7 and seven in the standings. Hold on. Miyake is six and seven. Big dogs are oh, they're both six and seven. Big dogs have nineteen hundred and eight points. Miyake has two thousand points. Miyake makes it in. We needed the big dogs to win, and they lost. Oh boy, we play Miyake again. I don't know how that happens. Because our division. Oh well. <laughs> No, that too. How the rest of your how the rest of your fantasy teams do? No, no, I went. I won. I'm undefeated. Um, still undefeated. And Seth, thank you very much for the email to Paul saying we're not pleased <laughs> because we're not. <laughs> well done. Uh, one one I did go undefeated, and the other one um, I did not make the playoffs again. And I'm I'm not happy about it, except for the fact that we do have a rule in that league. We have a keeper rule. And if you pick up somebody in free agency the year before, that pick is now in the 16th round. Well, a couple of weeks back, I was scanning the waiver wire, knowing that I was not going to make the playoffs. And lo and behold, I found Dalvin Cook and David Johnson, both on the waiver wire. So now I have a nice selection of either Dalvin Cook or David Johnson as my keeper next year in the 16th round. That's not a bad consolation prize. No, it is not. I'm laughing. I'm so in my in my other two leagues, I am I'm the number one seed in one, and I have a bye. In my in my big league, which I won last year, I've never seen this before. There's a three-way tie for first place at eight and five. There's a six-way tie for fourth place at six and seven, and one guy's fifth and eight, five and eight. So okay, so where are you? You're six and seven. I am six and seven. I have the second most points in the league, so I have a fi- I have the I have the five seed. The team with the most points in the league is the four seed, so I play them in the first round. So. Um, that's that's well done, but let me ask you this. I'm in a, I'm in a league where, like I said, I, I ran the table. I, I'm 13-0. and 0. A 12-team league, eight teams make the playoffs, which is ridiculous in, in, in its own right. I don't get a bye. Not with eight teams, you don't. I go, should be six. I go, thir- 
I go 13 and 0, and I don't make a damn, and I don't have a damn buy, and I can get run out in the first round, which is likely because hell, I've outscored everybody by 400 points this year. I have of the 13 weeks, I have the high score nine of the 13 weeks. Like this is a this is a monster lineup. Seth, I know you have to go. Um, I know you. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Why don't we cut this off here, and we'll pick it up again next week, and we'll talk uh, Aaron Boone because I really think that we need to discuss the new wave of the manager and get your take on the Yankees. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. Do we have to? Should we mention LiAngelo Ball as well, or not really? Or not even? Bother no, we'll talk about that next week. That, that's not that's not going to change. So we'll talk about that next week as well. Okay. So okay. for Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer. Uh, tune in tonight, ESPN, to watch me tooting my horn, and uh, we'll catch you next week on the on the rebound. Have a good day, everybody. Have a good one. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.